Welcome to the Raging Rhino Podcast. This is podcast number 152. My name is John. Do you worry that you're not liked? How long till you break? I'm not a Hollywood insider. I don't keep up with entertainment news. I I don't care about the behind-the-scenes machinations of the megacorporations that produce TV shows and movies, even the ones I like to watch. So I have very little information on what the hell is going on with Warner Brothers and how they're handling their DC Comics properties. I know there was upheaval when they merged with Discovery, just as you would expect any time one company buys out another. In the turmoil, there's been some changes made by the powers that be. A lot of the decisions they made recently were head-scratchers. Some made little to no sense. I'm just going to go through some of their recent and upcoming TV shows and movies, whether they were affected by the merger or not. Some of these I have a long-standing interest in. Some I hope they save or resurrect. And some I'm happy to see go away. I'm going to skip over a lot of the things I've done in previous podcasts, like Peacemaker. First off, let me go over some things that were scheduled to come out, but won't any longer. The one everybody talks about is Batgirl. They actually spent $80 million on it, finished the movie, and now just decided to never show it. As I've mentioned before, when it comes to DC, I like Batman. Batman is cool. On my list of favorite DC characters, Batman is way, way, way down on my list. I can get a Batman fix anytime I want via multiple comic book series, TV shows, and movies. By extension, the Batman family of characters tend to be lower on my priority list. That includes Batgirl. She obviously can carry her own comic book series because DC has had success with it, so she can be the star of a solo movie. I personally thought Barbara Gordon's best stories were as Oracle. Now, I won't go into detail on that era of the character, but I certainly recommend it for comic book enthusiasts. I was looking forward to the Batgirl movie just to see what they could do. I mean, Michael Keaton coming back as Batman? J.K. Simmons coming back as Commissioner Gordon? Brendan Fraser as Firefly, one of those C-list villains who could do well with the right story and the right actor? Why wouldn't I at least give it a shot? I've heard rumors and hearsay across the spectrum about this movie. Some say it was going to be a fun, action-packed adventure. Others say it came off as an extremely overpriced CW pilot episode. I'd rather have been given the opportunity to find out for myself. But I'm more upset about not seeing what the actors could have done with their characters than anything else. And to whomever at Warner Brothers made this decision, can I just say that next time you want to piss away $80 million, you are more than welcome to send a few million my way. 
The Green Lantern Corps streaming series that has been in development for years appears to be cancelled as well and is expected to go back to being developed as a movie. I'll talk about the Green Lantern movie that came out a few years ago sometime in the near future. It's not great, but it's not as horrible as everybody says it is. I'll talk about what they did right in that movie and how it could have and should have been fixed. Regardless, Green Lantern was my favorite character growing up, so I'd love to see more in the movies. The Wonder Twins project has been cancelled. I couldn't even tell you if it was supposed to be a movie or a TV series. Aquaman's reputation for being lame came from his poor use in the old Super Friends cartoon. As bad as Aquaman was in that show, the Wonder Twins were exponentially worse. Look, any character can be made cool with the right creator guiding their story. I always cite Gail Simone's use of Catman as the perfect example. Maybe this version of the Wonder Twins would have been great, but the only reason I would have even given it a try is because it's a DC property. I don't care that it's been scrapped. Strange Adventures was a superhero anthology series from Greg Berlanti, who brought us the Arrowverse shows on the CW. Kevin Smith was working on one of the episodes. I like the idea, but I just can't see a live-action superhero anthology working. Speaking of the Arrowverse, the Flash TV series is finally coming to an end with an abbreviated Season 9. The series has been all over the damn place since its first season. Season 2 was good, 3 was disappointing, 4 was better, but after that, it's been mostly unmemorable. I remember being massively disappointed in Season 7, but I'll be damned if I could tell you what it was about. I waited until the 8th season dropped on Netflix. It started pretty good with a cool and visually comics-accurate Deathstorm as the villain, but he was gone by mid-season. The second half of the season really dragged on, and while they managed to redeem themselves with a decent finale, the journey getting there kind of sucked. Unfortunately, with a lot of these CW shows, that tends to be the case. You never know what you're going to get. It's time to wrap it up. The best Flash has been in the past few years has been in the crossovers, not in his own show. Batwoman was cancelled. I liked Ruby Rose as Kate Kane. I think the series started off well, but dragged and sputtered as it went along its first season. When Rose left, and they decided to just create a new character rather than recast the role of Kate Kane, I lost interest in keeping up with the show. I think they should have just recast. At this point, fans understand that these things can happen. Even if you insist on explaining the changes, you have a built-in excuse. As often as Flash fucks up the timeline on a routine basis, they could have easily had something happen that causes Kate Kane to appear different without anyone noticing. Yeah, that's a cheap way out of the situation. But it's superheroes, folks. I'll eventually watch the other seasons, but I specifically watch because I like the Kate Kane character from the comics.
Legends of Tomorrow was also canceled. It was a silly, quirky show that had its charm. I wasn't bothered with the revolving door of characters coming and going throughout the show's run, but I didn't like that later seasons used fewer established DC characters. And I'm also disappointed that I won't get that eighth season with Booster Gold. I think that would have been fun. Black Lightning was wrapped almost a year ago. It's unfortunate because Jefferson Pierce is a great character, and I think the disconnection from the rest of the CW shows may have hurt this show. The Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover brought him in a little more, but not enough. Naomi was canceled after a single season. Not long after it ended on CW, it dropped on HBO Max, and I started watching it. I'm about a third of the way through the season. So far, I like it. Naomi is a, a very new character in the comics. I had meant to get the collected edition of those early issues of their series to try it out, but ever since Amazon bought out Comixology and ruined the buying experience for me, I haven't bought any comic books. But that's a story for another time. I am looking forward to the rest of the season, even if it is chock full of typical CW teenage romance. The big surprise for me was Superman and Lois. I'm not happy that they've decided to set this show in an alternate Earth after they went through so much trouble to merge things at the end of the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover. It would have been nice to see an occasional cameo or team up from another show's character. But that seems to be how things go with these decision makers, whether it's movies or TV. On the plus side, I was highly impressed with the second season. The first was also good, don't get me wrong, but the second was excellent. If you haven't seen the second season, stop this now and watch it, or skip ahead for a minute in this podcast. The second season starts out with what appears to be Doomsday trying to free himself, exactly as he did in his comic book debut. But it turns out, it's actually Bizarro. However, the take on Bizarro in this story is not that he's an imperfect clone of Superman, but he is the Superman from a distorted reality who uses a power-enhancing drug that altered his appearance. And that's not even the first half of the season. It's a wild ride that I just loved. I think you should check it out. I know that Jordan Elsass, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, has left the show for personal reasons. I'm sorry to see him go, and all the best to him. There's no word on the HBO Max shows other than Peacemaker and the Harley Quinn series are definitely continuing. And of course, Pennyworth has moved over to HBO Max and the third season has just started. It appears the Penguin series from the Batman with Colin Farrell reprising his role is still a go. I'm glad because he was absolutely fantastic in that movie. A lot of the DC shows currently on the streaming service got their start with the DC Universe, which got somewhat absorbed into HBO Max. I want to go over the six shows that got their start, or restart, on DC Universe, from worst to best. So, to start at the bottom, there is a clear choice for number six. Titans. 
This is one of those shows that had so much potential. They have a rich history, especially during the Wolfman Perez run in the 80s. I wish they had started with the formation of the Titans and let the characters grow, but instead they have to fill in backstory about the past failures of the team and it gets convoluted. The first season was okay. They tried to adapt my personal favorite story, The Terror of Trigon, which they just didn't have the budget to pull off properly. Then they made an 11th hour decision to do a season-ending cliffhanger instead of resolving the story within the season like most streaming services do these days. The resolution in the first episode of season two was somewhat anticlimactic, but it was still the best part as the season went downhill fast. Season two of Titans is right there with my least favorite DC show of the modern era, which I'll talk about later. Season three was easily the best of the bunch, and I hope that will keep going on in season four, which may or may not be its last season. On the plus side, most of the cast are pretty spot on. Gina has a crush on Alan Richardson, and I have a crush on Minka Kelly, so anytime Hawk and Dove are on the screen, we're happy. So it has a few good things going for it, but overall for me, it's still a disappointment. I go back and forth with the next two shows, but for today, my number five pick is Harley Quinn. I loved the first couple of seasons. I liked the twisted humor. I would watch the episodes as soon as they dropped. The third season was disappointing. I didn't like the fact that time was taken out of the crazy exploits of Harley Quinn to tell me a story about Joker reforming himself, becoming a family man, dealing with bitchy soccer moms, and running for mayor. I didn't like the fact that time was taken out of the crazy exploits of Harley Quinn to tell me a story about how Batman is mentally fucked up and needs therapy, and Bruce Wayne should go to jail for not being more philanthropic or whatever fucking point they were trying to shoehorn in. Of course, Batman's crusade doesn't make sense. It's a fucking comic book story. It's like Grant Morrison said about people who want to dissect every little detail, like who puts air in the Batmobile's tires. No one does. It's a fucking comic book. Leave the superhero deconstruction to Alan Moore and get back to the fun of the first two seasons. Next up at number four is Young Justice for the opposite reason as Harley Quinn. This is actually a return after a long hiatus. There were two phenomenal seasons of Young Justice from 2010 to 2013. It didn't succeed the way corporations wanted it to succeed, so it was canceled. DC Universe brought it back, and season three was a massive disappointment to me. They teased a big battle with Darkseid that never happened, and instead gave us a battle with Granny Goodness that wrapped up two episodes before the finale. The climax of the season instead focused on the downfall of Geoforce, a C-list hero from the comics that still wasn't all that interesting in the show. On the other hand, season four was excellent focusing on interweaving story arcs and bringing everyone together for a big finish was exactly the formula that made the first two seasons so good. So while Harley's latest season is on a downturn, 
things are definitely looking up for Young Justice. Once again, the next two shows could easily trade places, but I'm giving number three to Stargirl. This is a character created by Jeff Johns as a tribute to his sister who died in the TWA Flight 800 explosion. She is a wholesome, strong-willed teenager who finds out she is a legacy to the original generation of superheroes, the Justice Society of America. Like Titans, there's a lot of backstory that gets revealed, but unlike Titans, it's not the same character's backstories. Stargirl and her friends who adopt the identities of former Justice Society members learn about the history along the way and uncover new schemes from old villains. It's a little nostalgic, a little teenage rebellion, and a little CW cheesy romance, but it's all fun. Oh, and finally, a decent Solomon Grundy in a live-action show. So I would definitely recommend it. My number two choice is one that deserved better. In yet another WBDC gaffe, they had problems with the state of North Carolina, which caused them not only to cut the first season of Swamp Thing short, but canceled the series entirely. Swamp Thing was full of fantastic casting. From Will Patton to Virginia Madsen, who was always a positive in my book. The stories built on the classic horror of the comics and mixed in the pathos of a creature coming to grips with its own existence. While I still haven't gotten a perfect adaptation of Alan Moore's classic story, The Anatomy Lesson, it worked well within the context of the show. My only minor gripe is Blue Devil a character I have always loved. It was used strictly for horror, even though he's originally a comedic adventure character, and the few scenes he appears in never really get a good look at him. I would have hoped that would have developed more, but we will likely never know. Sorry, Swamp Thing. My number one choice is easy, because... It's an adaptation of one of my favorite off-the-wall Grant Morrison stories and characters, as well as successor writers who continued his crazy ideas. Doom Patrol. If you are a fan of straight-up superheroes going out and defeating the bad guys and flying off with a smile, then this is not the show for you. And let's be honest, you're kind of boring. Anybody can crank out generic Hero Saves World stories where the good-looking, charming hero stops the cookie-cutter villain and victory is never in doubt. I mean, look at all of the MCU. Doom Patrol is about a group of reclusive people with superpowers that the world would label as freaks who bond with each other, but each has to deal with his or her own self-loathing. Each one is not only flawed, but sometimes detestable. But they're trying to overcome their own shortcomings to be better people. Also, you have to be able to go along with surreal situations and characters that make the special effects in Inception look as tame as the background in a Judd Apatow movie. Plus, you have characters like Danny the Street, 
an actual sentient street. And the beard hunter, who can track people after tasting their facial hair. Yeah, it is that level of bizarre. And you better be prepared for things far stranger than a man turning into a green rage monster. Season 4 begins in December, so you have time to catch up, if you dare. By the way, HBO Max recently added the entire series of Gotham. I guess the Netflix contract was up. I highly recommend that if you have a subscription to HBO Max, that you not watch it. Never have I seen more good actors desperately try to make something out of the schizophrenic hodgepodge the writers crapped out each week. And don't ever, ever get me going about how they use Solomon Grundy in that show. The fact is, they could have easily followed a simple crime procedural focusing on the Gotham Police Department. There have been successful comic book series that did that. Don't show the Waynes getting murdered again. Just have the police react to it. Don't show Bruce at all. Sow the seeds of the villains slowly and carefully because other than Penguin, there's no reason for anyone else to go all supervillain until Batman arrives. But no, they just threw everything into a blender, hit puree, and told everybody to drink it. It is easily the worst DC television series. I'm not sure what to expect from DC's upcoming movies. I certainly don't know what to think about the planned Joker sequel. I'm not sure even I can get into the idea of a Joker musical co-starring Lady Gaga, even though she did impress me in the remake of A Star is Born. But that's far enough ahead to hold off on any more speculation. We should have already had a couple of DC movies this year, but everything keeps getting pushed back, and who knows if the official reason is the real one. Instead of four DC movies this year, we just get one. No, I'm not counting League of Super Pets. Only Dwayne Johnson's long-awaited project, Black Adam. I like the fact that Johnson has wanted to portray this character for so long, and he seems to have a passion for making this as good as it can be. I'm very familiar with the four Justice Society characters, and I, I hope they translate well to the big screen, especially Dr. Fate, who has had some very interesting stories, both in comic books and the Young Justice series. If you're familiar with Black Adam's comic book stories, then you know it makes sense for Adam Smasher to be in this movie, as well as Hawkman. Cyclone is a relatively new character. In the comics, she's very similar to Stargirl in her innocence and strong-willed teenage hero attitude, but this iteration seems to be a little bit more seasoned. I honestly don't know what to expect from this movie. Black Adam is, again, pretty far down on my list of characters I wanted to see on the big screen, much less be the headliner. But he is an interesting enough character to carry a movie and probably a sequel or two. Some people are already proclaiming it a bomb, but that's to be expected these days. Of course, I will give it a look. 
hopefully on opening weekend because that will be at the end of our anniversary vacation. This could very well be a surprise to people, but we'll see. I think Shazam! Fury of the Gods is the next one. I forget where everything got pushed. I love Zachary Levi. And even though Shazam! isn't high up on my favorite characters list either, I really enjoyed the last movie, and I wish this one hadn't been delayed. I purposely try not to know too much about the movies, because you never know when somebody's going to spoil something important. But I do know that he will battle the fates of Greek mythology. That's an interesting choice, especially with his strange little rogues gallery. But I really do hope that we will eventually see that Savannah-Mr. Mind team-up that was teased at the end of the first movie. The next two movies feature a couple of characters that I've loved since childhood. The very first comic I ever bought was Flash 275. It looks like after several delays, director changes, script changes, and... I'll be generous and say erratic behavior by the star, Flash will finally have his solo movie. I do like the Flashpoint storyline, even though I don't think it works for a first movie. I would really like Jeffrey Dean Morgan to play Thomas Wayne as Batman, but bringing back Michael Keaton is just as good. It looks promising. I know Ezra Miller and Grant Morrison worked on a script, and it would be cool if any of those ideas made it into the movie, but I just hope that it's good. And I also hope that Ezra Miller gets some help. Finally, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom arrives late next year, assuming there aren't any more frickin' delays. This one has an embattled co-star that has garnered so much negative press, some people want her removed from the movie. I, again, really enjoyed the first movie, even if I thought it was about 15 to 20 minutes too long. Jason Momoa was great as the reluctant leader, and I'm looking forward to see how the character develops. And I just don't keep up with things like celebrity trials. I know Amber Heard did some things that turned a lot of people against her, but the damn movie's already been filmed. It makes no sense to remove her entirely from the movie but then again, it also didn't make any sense to shelve the Batgirl movie, so who the fuck knows. If nothing else, it looks like they're no longer dead set on destroying the world building Zack Snyder did in his movies. There's even talk that Henry Cavill will be returning as Superman. As far as I'm concerned, you may as well keep the things that made you distinctive from the prefabricated stories being pumped out in other cinematic superhero universes. Would I prefer the Snyderverse back in its entirety? Of course I do. You can see from Zack Snyder's Justice League how much more depth he adds. And Ray Fisher back as Cyborg would be awesome. And I've said this before, I'll say it again. I did see the Whedon Justice League in theaters seven times. When I was a kid... I saw the Transformers movie in the theater five times, and then went a sixth time when a local theater had a 20th anniversary showing. I figured if there was ever going to be a movie I would want to break that personal record, it would be Justice League. Opening weekend, I had three different people on three different days ask me to go with them to see it. 
And then I went to a matinee showing once every week or two until I did seven viewings. Was Whedon's Justice League the best? No, not at all. I felt it was shallow, had forced humor, and a pretty weak villain. In other words, it was pretty much a Marvel movie. I expected as much after hearing what was going on behind the scenes. I wanted the Justice League to come together and beat the bad guy. They did that. It was fun. I learned from growing up with pre-crisis DC continuity that every world is different. The comic book world is not going to be the same as the cartoon world. It's not going to be the same as the television world. It's not going to be the same as the movie world. A movie directed by Joss Whedon is going to be different from a movie directed by Zack Snyder. If I had gone in expecting it to be exactly like the characters in the comics, I was going to have a bad time. I go into a superhero movie, leaving the other continuities at the door. I only ask, does this portrayal of the character work for this story? Keeping it in that context helps a lot of movies. In the first few weeks, I gave Whedon's Justice League an A. As I viewed it a couple of times on streaming, I cooled to it a bit and dropped it to a B. But after watching the Snyder Cut and seeing the original vision the movie was meant to convey, I don't know if I ever want to see the Whedon Cut again. I'm thankful I got to see what Snyder intended. It's also a perfect example of how executive decisions can adversely affect the finished product. I said it before and I'll say it again. The biggest threats to the DCEU are not Darkseid and Lex Luthor. It's the Warner Brothers executives. Who knows what they'll decide? And who knows what will happen with these DC properties? Unfortunately, that's all still up in the air. I like the uniqueness and depth of the characters Snyder built. But I have no control over any of that. So I'll keep watching as long as the creators make it watchable, despite executive interference. But I'll be honest. As I get older, my priorities change. WB better get their shit together. Even my patience can run out. This is the Raging Rhino Podcast. You'll hear from me again. <laughs>